What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? It's your co-host, Ridge. We're back for another episode. Yeah, we're trying to get these, into these a little bit more regularly here, but very excited. It's just over here on the other mic, as always. Another episode of Just Goes to Show. We're going to be talking uh, about the big, big news from this Monday. Big, big news uh, in regards to Chelsea Football Club sacking Frank Lampard. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Obviously, uh, we'll have trivia as always. Chris is tossing that my way today. Um, so you guys should hear some good, intelligent answers um, per usual with my responses. Wow. And then uh, towards the end, we'll get into our uh, predictor app. So if those who follow us stateside, you guys can uh, follow along and, um, you know, uh, let it either follow our picks and agree with them or pick against us and then give yourself a good chance to win 50k yeah, you definitely want to fade um, us we haven't won anything i won like two zero bucks a couple years ago yeah i think you did um so uh and then just before we kind of kick into things and get started uh, i do want to give a quick shout out to every week we follow um the aston villa site for the fans by the fans um good friend of mine, Glad Goodwin, is uh, spearheading that as long as with Samuel Rayworth, his dad, Hatchet. So um, we're going to be hosted on that site per usual. So give us a listen there um, or feel free to follow us on Twitter. Yeah, shout um, out, Glenn. I'd shout out Hatchet, but there's no way in hell he's listening to this. Yeah, I hope he is. <laughs> but I, I, I imagine he hears some American, American voices to start the pod. You tell us to bugger off real quick, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Chris, uh, like you said, let's get into the big news. The big news is Frank Lampard... Um, this morning, get, being sacked by Roman Abramovich and is no longer the manager of Chelsea Football Club. Um, before we get into kind of the future of Chelsea and you know what they're doing with their new manager and what the plans are and kind of next steps, give me your take on the decision itself. Um, I guess my initial thoughts to seeing the news was, oh, I feel a little conflicted, definitely mixed. Um, and I guess the reason why I feel mixed is because I think that Chelsea had every right to sack him when they did. Uh, if you look at the numbers, you you look at what's happened over the past uh, year and a half or so that he's been manager, and you look at their track record, I'm kind of surprised he made it as long as he did. Um, where I get really conflicted, and you know, I mentioned this to you, is that I think that this was just... It was, a, it was a mistake from the get-go, and you know, you'll know you hire a club legend who's got one year of managerial experience under his belt, recently retired, um, and when I say club legend, like probably the face of that club over the past 20, 30 years, right? Um, mm-hmm. And did a good job at Derby in his one year, but wasn't like, you know, life-changing, spectacular, um, but did a good job, and... Uh, you know, you give him, he comes in with a transfer embargo for a window. You know, they still have Christian Pulisic coming in. They got Mateo Kovacic coming back. So they got, they got some good players coming in, but still have that transfer embargo. Uh, and then, you know, his first summer in charge, you give him $200 million to spend. And it doesn't go well in the first six months, and he's gone. But, you know, you look at where they're at in the league. You look at um, how the signings have panned out just the general vibe around the club right now doesn't seem to be very positive. Um, but it's a tough, you know, you, you put yourself in a tough spot because this is a, a, a club, a fan favorite with the club. Um, and you're obviously cutting the leash a little bit short, which they're known to do. Um, but it's going to sour the relationship and, and the legacy of Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Cause I, I don't really think he goes back there. I don't know. It, it seemed like it was a pretty ugly breakup, too, which we can get into a little bit later. But those are kind of my initial thoughts. I, I feel not great about it. And I, I feel like uh, he's gotten a little bit of a hard 
run of it, but at the same time, I don't think that I can necessarily argue for keeping him at this point either. Yeah, I think I think you make a lot of really good points in there. I think one thing I wanted to touch on and echo is I think the discomfort around the whole situation and uh, whether you're a fan or a neutral or, you know, it's just interesting is there's a lot of kind of unusual things at plays as opposed to your normal kind of hiring and firing of a manager. Um, and a lot of that comes – a lot of that is – this, the, in the unique circumstance of the, the manager being a former player, so recently a former player, so recently a club captain, so recently um, the, the biggest face of the football club and, and club legend. And um, that's where it kind of gets all a little bit uncomfy, right? Because like, does that give him different treatment? Um, and then you start to layer in the recent spend levels and you start to layer in the transfer ban. And there's all like very unique situations. And so it can kind of divide opinions. I think... I think, listen, is, I don't think you can argue that he stays in the job or deserves a job, but I don't really think he deserves the job in the first place. So my thought, I, I was always thinking he was going to get this full season um, because they, I mean, they were in first um, in early Christmas. Like two or three right? pods ago, we were like, is it going to be Chelsea or Spurs that pulls away? Right. Uh, so it wasn't that long. A month and Chelsea a half. On top on top of the league and, and, you know, doing, doing very well. And then all of a sudden we're in this spot where he's lost his job and it's really spiraled out of control over the last month and a half and, and gotten really ugly. So I guess my first things, first things first, I think I was expecting him to see out the season. I'm surprised that he's not right because he got, you know, the whole season last season because of the, the transfer ban, he gets all these players in at one time and he started beating that drum kind of early. Like, hey, we've got to get everyone into the mix. We've got to get everyone accustomed to English football. He was really kind of playing that card. Like, we've got to create a cohesive unit. And then it started well. So I think everyone got a little excited and got their hopes up. Like, oh, they could get after it this season. And then it, they just had a bad holiday period, you know, when everyone's all in on football. And then Frank's out of a job. So I do think it's a little bit harsh to, to fire him. But, you know, the results haven't been there. And everyone knows that, you know, if you're at Chelsea and you're not getting results, like you're going to lose your job pretty quickly. So I, I, I'm not surprised at the same time, just like you said. But at the same, uh, like, um, like I said, but at the same time, or uh, I, I also feel that, it's it is a little harsh, you know. So, it's but just, I just think I, they rule kind of harshly. You look at the overall body of work. He comes in um, in a season where they have a transfer embargo. It's obviously a little bit uh, unprecedented, you know, to, to kind of be in that situation that Chelsea were. He finishes fourth in the league. He makes an FA Cup final. Uh, I think the the biggest reason why he lost his job is unfortunately because of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Um, and, I mean, Timo, Timo Werner has been the butt end of a lot of jokes for the past few weeks. He just came in in that Leeds uh, FA Cup match, or missed a penalty. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think when you just give – you're giving him that money, right? So it's not like he – I don't know I don't know how much he's arguing for that money or, or how much he's trying to convince the board to, to hand over the money for, um, you know, Werner and, and Kai, excuse me, I said the leads, I meant Luton, um, for that FA Cup penalty miss, but regardless, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to correct myself, you know, you spend almost $200 million in these two players. Kai was almost 90. Timo was like about 70 million. Um, and they've both been 
major, major, major disappointments. Like, not even really showing flashes of anything so far this season. A hundred percent. Doesn't mean they don't have ability, but maybe that is some man management. Maybe, you know, it's the manager's job to get these young players adapted to a new league. Um, and he hasn't done it at all. Not even close. I mean, you got, you got Chilwell and Thiago Silva... Um, who have come in and done decent. Mendy's done decent. So it's not like all of his signings have been completely flopped, but it's two biggest ones. And then Ziyech has been hurt a bit, but he hasn't done anything really either. Um, you know, you, you look at that squad and you're like, we just spent $200 million and our best team is either Olivier Giroud or Tammy Abraham. You got Callum Hudson-Odoi. It's like, why did we let Ross Barkley out on loan? Why is Ruben Loftus-Cheek on loan? I mean, some of these guys could be playing better. I, 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 it's tough, man. They haven't looked good lately. I feel for the guy, but when you invest that much in the club, and Chelsea generally do back their managers, they let them spend. They have the shortest leash on earth, so I don't know if it's totally fair, but you know they, the guys just haven't done anything. If they've shown any signs of promise, I think he probably keeps his job. Yeah, I, so I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, it, and I th- but I also think you missed in a few places there. So I think the, I think the biggest thing is. Um, agreed. The reason why Frank Lampard lost his job is their summer recruitment. Fucking shocking, right? Timo Werner looks uh, low-level Premier League striker at best. He's kind of like, um, I don't know, <laughs> uh, a Pacey Jordan Ayu. Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, he, he's not exactly prolific. He looks um, like he looks allergic to the net right now. Like he can't finish for shit. And he's had some really bad, finish. really bad touches, um, like all over the place. He, but he doesn't look like he could. Even when you watch could... him play, even when you watch him play, I was gonna say, even when you watch him play, like the way he he doesn't really dribble with the ball. It's kind of like really kind of like haphazard, choppy. Uh, yeah. Like his like his, his it's, it's not like he's a, a you know a ball like doesn't hold up the ball well in his feet. He did doesn't have like look smooth on the on the dribble. He did have one one run early in the season. I want to say it was in September or October. I don't remember who they were playing. Where he took the ball basically like at the halfway mark and took it on his own, and I was like, man, that's what they they got him for. Like, you expect him to be making these like sun type runs where he's just got the ball on his feet and it's really hard to get it off of him, and then he finishes. And that's what he did in Germany. I mean, I don't want to like come in here and say that you know we didn't or we we like called this because I thought that Timo Werner and Kai Havertz were going to be very good signings, and I still think they could have success for Chelsea. Um, I, I rated both those guys quite a bit. I saw them playing the Bundesliga. They they're both young. They're both. I mean, everyone did. It's not like it was just Chelsea that were like, "Oh, they're they're big on these guys." Like everyone wanted both those players. Yeah, it does make me think, though. I mean, while we're saying that, it does make me think like how poor some of the Bundesliga transplants plants have been in compared to the in comparison to their hype and how different the game levels are. Like Kaya Verts has come out and said how much more physical the Premier League Timo has is recently and too. How much harder it is. Exactly, and Timo said the same thing, right? And then you look at, like, Thiago Al- Alcantara, who just came from uh, Bayern, who everyone thinks he's, like, you know, everyone's talking about him, he's the world's classiest midfielder. I just watched him play in the FA Cup against Manchester United, got the ball taken off him two times in his own half, um, and conceding, you know, dramatic, uh, really high XG chances to, to, Man- to a Manchester United team that plays him on the counter and press. So I think I think there's, there's probably another plot, and a, kind of a side plot here where we could go on to the the widening gap between Bundesliga quality football as Bayern's lead kind of grows, grows and grows and grows in the Bundesliga and every other team and just how poor it is. Bayern obviously had a really good run in Europe. Uh, and so the overall quality of football in that league isn't that high unless you're playing for a Bayern, which I know Thiago did. Um, but 
so I going back to to Frank though the summer recruitment is just it was brutal right just really really brutal spent and whether or not these I I say the recruitment is brutal maybe the players pan out maybe they be maybe end up okay they both very young players so maybe they come good take some bit of time but to spend ninety fucking million pounds you you expect significant immediate returns right if if someone goes and buys it's one of the Jack most expensive Rilish, transfers someone, ever. Right, exactly. If someone goes and buys Jack Grealish right now for, for 90 million pounds from Aston Villa, he is slotting into the heart of central midfield of your team, and you're going to expect him straight away to, live, to deliver goals and assists, say in a team like a Manchester United, right? Bruno uh, uh, Fernandez came from United. I think the, the fee that he came from was, or came to United, I think it's between 16 and 70 million from sporting. I think it was less than that, but he, I mean, he is like five years older. So, you know, he's got a little bit more maturity there, but of course you, you factor that in, but, but you look at like the immediate impact that, that a spend like that yeah. gets you, you're not spending 90 million pounds to, for a development player, No, right? You, you, you're, you're for a guy that can't beat out the Academy guys you've been loaning out every season. Exactly. Like uh, you look at uh, like a Loftus Cheek who looks twice. You know, I'm watching him tear through sides as it looks like a physical specimen for Fulham. Looks twice the player that Havertz is right now. Hudson Adoy. Um, they've got a million of these guys, right? Um, it, it, here's the thing. I want to. I, I don't want to cut you off um, because you're right. It's the summer recruitment. And if you want to, if you have another thought on that, finish it because I'm going to. Well, I, my, my, yeah. My, my 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 last thought on that is how much does Frank have to do with that? Right. I imagine just like most managers and, and again, I don't follow Chelsea close enough to know the inner workings of Chelsea, but I know most clubs, you know, there's a, a kind of a player, um, a, a recruitment official, head of player recruitment. Um, they target certain players and then they cross reference a managerial shortlist to say, hey, who do you like? Who do you not like? What types of player profile do you like? And then recruitment goes out and gets those, says, hey, we can get these guys. We can not get these guys, et cetera, et cetera. So there is some cohesiveness in there. I imagine Frank has a say. Um, but can you pin the 90 million pound flop of Kai Havertz so far? And I'm, I'm using the word flop already, but fuck it. On Frank? Like, no, you just can't. Right, like that's. I don't think Frank says like, yeah, I want that player no matter what. Spend whatever you need. Um, but if he if he did do that, then yeah, it's totally on him. But I just don't think that that's happening in today's footballing. I mean, I in, think in the common role of the the manager. I I don't think they're spending ninety million on a player unless Frank Lampard's extremely influential in that decision and probably the one that's um, igniting that decision. But um, yeah, I mean, you're responsible for. Your transfers, you're responsible for player performances, whether that's all something you can control or not. You know, that's that's the that's the gig. That's what you got. And yeah, that's here's what here's one thing I wanted to say. Um, Frank Lampard, there's there's been 18 managerial changes at Chelsea in the 2000s. 18 in the 2000s. <laughs> Remember, we're at the start of 2021 here. Now that is a little bit uh, inflated, only because there's two managers that had multiple spells. Gus Hiddink and Mourinho, and there's three uh, interim managers in there. But regardless, that is an insane number. Guess how many managers have a lower win percentage over their time at Chelsea than Frank Lampard? Uh, two. Two is correct. Um, and I don't even know if it's actually technically right, because if you combine Gus Hiddinks over his two runs that were six years apart, he would be better. But Gus Hiddink in his second stint with Chelsea won 30%, 37% of his 27 matches in charge. And do you know the other one that would be lower? Um, I was going to say either Claudio Ranieri or Roberto Di Matteo. 
No, um, DiMatteo was close. Ranieri um, actually was a little bit better than Lampard. It was Andre Villas-Boas was the other one that was lower. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a culture at this club of turnover and not backing your guys. And I think the reason why we're upset is because Chelsea didn't show Frank Lampard's special treatment. Honestly, I think that's why we're kind of all a little bit, like, feeling weird about it. Does he deserve that? I think he does because he's a club legend that played for them not long ago. And he was a captain. He's a leader on that team. And like, yeah, I think he does deserve a little bit of a, a longer leash and a little bit of special treatment. But I don't know if we can really fault ownership for not giving him that. You know, they didn't make him take that job. Yeah, he knew I mean, he reality- knew what he was getting into. He was a cl- he was at that club for 20 years. He saw all these different managers. He knows how short of a leash they had. I mean, if he expected yeah, it to yeah. be different, and maybe it's a shame on him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't have that much sympathy for Frank, especially, I mean, he had that kind of touchline bust up with, with Jurgen Klopp as well, which was interesting at the end of last season. Um, in some of his press conferences, it's just been kind of repetitive and a little bit dull. Um, he came across as refreshing initially, but then that's, those kind of talk tracks started to get old, um, where you see like a Dean Smith or Chris Wilder seem a little bit more innovative. Um, I, I just think, I think the, the track to success for any future uh, Chelsea manager, and it's going to be interesting. That kind of segues into the future of this this conversation. Well, but the, the the track for future success for any manager to have is, quite frankly, they need to get recruitment right straight away. Right? I think about those Mourinho teams that were really, really strong. The recruitment was really good. They had a couple homegrown lads, which they have right now at the club. They had John Terry, or you know, homegrown, quote unquote, but uh, English players, uh, John, John Terry. Um, and then they had Frank Lampard, Petr Cech was at the club for a while, and then they brought in r- really dynamic other players. Um, I think about Florent Maluda who came in. I think about Didier Drogba, who came in. I think about Arjen Robben, who was at the club for a while. Some of these really dynamic, uh, Claude Makélélé, some of these really, really, I mean, world-class players at the time. And, like, Chelsea don't get players like that right now. They just don't. Um, Actually, cool. You know, they haven't had... I mean, they, 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 well, they sell, they sell, I mean, they sell Eden Hazard. They get a Thiago Silva who's in the twilight of his career at 35, 36, right? Like, they're just not attracting the Galactico-type talent um, that they used to, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I, you could say that, but I do think Kai was, Timo as well, I mean, for the price they bought him at, those were two of the top guys on the market this summer. Um, and they got both of them. And... So I guess I have one last question on Frank before we kind of move on to the future. Um, as a, a supporter of a club, Crystal Palace, that a lot of people think might be without a manager come summer, would you like to see Palace pursue a Frank Lampard-type manager? I mean, him specifically, do you think that you'd be excited about that? How would you feel about him coming into a different uh, Premier League club like a Crystal Palace that's like not really in the relegation zone, but you know, a, a ways away from challenging for Europe. Yeah, so here's my here's my take there. I, I would absolutely love to see Frank Lampard at Crystal Palace under like a few conditions. And these are conditions that I won't know. I just kind of hope, I'm hoping that they would be kind of pre-agreed upon. Um, the first one is like, I want him to take a break, right? Like very quickly now he's jumped from this Derby, Derby gig where he did quite well. Made a playoff you know, final. Didn't get, didn't, yeah, didn't get promoted. And then very, very quickly jumped to a huge profile job. He must have been stressed under it all the time. Like a, a lot that happened very quickly there. I need. I think he needs some time away from the game and to figure out, hey, what's his MO going to be? What were his strengths? What were his weaknesses? And I think he needs to think, reflect, and learn. So I think he needs some time, first of all, which if he comes at the end of the season, that's perfect. The second thing that I think needs to be mutually agreed upon 
So I'd like to see him have a job for at least a few fucking years, right? Because he's never really done it in management. He's never really d drawn, like, a, you know, had his imprint, uh, his brand on a club for a few seasons. Definitely didn't have that at Derby. You'd say with all the changes that have happened at Chelsea over a season and a half and all the transfer turmoil, he definitely hasn't had a chance to, you know, uh, put his stamp on that club really either. Um, so I would love to see him be at a club for three, four, five years, and then you're like, you know what? They're a brilliant manager. Think about like that, what the Eddie Howes have done, what Chris Wilders have done, what Roy Hodgson's done you know, numerous, uh, numerous times, Dean Smith. Um, so I'd love to see him just do that with a team for a few seasons. So if he was going to go to Palace, they would need to say, hey, like a minimum, you've got to be with us for three seasons um, or you know, who, whichever club you're going to go to is going to have to pay us 20 million pounds to, to sign you. Yeah, um, I, I think it's fair to say that we don't, we still don't really know what a Frank Lampard managed club looks like. Like, no, I no, don't, we don't think that like, he's we, really we built like an identity. Right. We know it's like young, young English players, right? Because I don't they know have a couple loanies at, at Derby. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, and he Mason just, he just on the field Mason every Mount. time. <laughs> I don't know if that, that's really. <laughs> Chelsea just have a lot of good young English players. So I don't know if that's really necessarily Frank Lampard or not. I mean,. You know, he didn't sign English players. He signed Ben Chilwell, but outside of that, he was signing foreign players. So I don't know. I mean, I think he definitely deserves another opportunity. I think he'll obviously get another opportunity, probably in a first division. I don't really think it makes him makes sense for him to leave England. Um, but I'd, I'd respect the hell out of him if he went back down to the championship for a season. Uh, I don't think he'll do that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that'd be a, a class move by him. I don't know. I, I still think that he'll have a future in coaching. Um, but for, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think it makes any sense for him to jump back into anything and I don't think he will. I think he'll wait till at least the summer before he, uh, reevaluates anything. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, and it makes you think about some of the managers at the bottom of the Premier League, like the Scott Parkers and the Chris Wilders and the Sean Dyches. And you, you realize that, I mean, these are managers who, I don't know. I, I think of as good managers and the game kind of changed a little bit at the bottom of the table. Like, um, you know, managers aren't necessarily kind of jumping up or teams aren't necessarily jumping up and then putting going all in on a manager to kind of keep them up as much as they used to, like a Watford did. I know you have West Brom doing that this season, but um, so I, I don't know exactly what jobs would open up for Frank. I think the Crystal Palace one is one that's very, very appealing and one that Steve Parrish will be keen on. It keeps Frank in London as well. Um, yeah. So that, that'll be really interesting. I think, uh, honestly, the only ones I could see that would make sense right now in the Prem would probably be Palace or Newcastle. Um those, those seem like the only somewhat stable jobs that will have a good chance of opening up this summer besides maybe like Burnley, but I would, he's not going to go to Burnley. So, um, all right, well kind of moving past that, but not really. What do you think about his replacement? Uh, Thomas Tuchel. Um, I don't know. Chris is, is, is my answer. And then that's shit. That's a shitty podcast take. Sure. Um, I've watched some interviews with Tuchel where I'm like, Ooh, damn, like this guy's great. Uh, you know, he has a, a keen, a keen belief on bringing youngsters through. Like that's kind of his, you know, one of his MOs. Um, he's done that at Dortmund. He's done that at PSG, um, brought young homegrown players through, which obviously Chelsea have a lot of, um, but you know, there's a lot of players and managers whose careers attached to the quality of youth that comes through. And then that kind of masks whether or not they're actually a good manager or not. If they just kind of get really good talent coming through their, their Academy, uh, the club that they're at. So I've heard some good interviews. I've seen some good snippets. He's never managed in England. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very 
uh, apprehensive to see how it works out. A lot of managers, when they come over from abroad, especially having been successful abroad, when Pep did that, it took a few seasons um, and to learn the English game, to learn what it's what it's like to go and you know grind out a result at Newcastle, and it gives you a lot of respect for some of those teams where he's used to kind of throwing his weight around um, at the from the top end of the table over the last five years. Yeah, I on the surface, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, you're talking about you know wanting to see Frank Lampard at a club for a long time. You know, Thomas Tuchel was at Mainz for five years. Pretty good record there. He was at Dortmund for three years. Um, and then he's been at PSG for two and a half years or so before this. Yeah, or, I mean, or, he's, you know, he's, he's basically, basically at all these clubs. And I think on the surface it makes a lot of sense because you're like, huh, what's what's the issue right now? These big German signings aren't doing anything. Let's bring in a guy who speaks German and has managed there. That's where he comes from. I mean, I think mm-hmm. in that sense, it makes sense, but I, I think it's a little bit, I, I think it's a little bit useless to even think long-term about it because Chelsea have proven they don't really care about that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if I'm a manager, I don't know if it's an attractive position, but if you're Thomas Tuchel, like you were just at Bart, Dortmund and PSG, um, you could wait for another big opening or you can, you know, splash in the prem and see what happens. Um, but I think on the surface it makes a lot of sense, and I, I do think it'll. I think they will play better out the gates with a new manager. I just think that happens often, regardless of whether it's a good fit or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got a lot of experience managing big players, something that Frank Lampard didn't have. Now, you know, you could argue that Lampard, with his experience, just being at Chelsea for as long as he did, he, he should have been prepared for that. But it's a little bit different. And uh, and Thomas Tuchel, he's a guy that. He played a few years and got hurt, and he's been a coach for ever since then. He's, he's like almost fifty, and he's been a coach for twenty years. Um, and there's a lot of value to that, I think. And he's been a manager since two thousand and seven. So I do think it's going to be an immediate boost for them. I don't know if they're going to be in a position to to really make a push to um, to get back into a top four race at this point. They've definitely lost a lot of ground, but. You know, they've lost a lot of ground, and they're five points off Liverpool in fourth. So when you're thinking about, do I make a move in January, if you think it's going to make an immediate impact over the next four months, five months, then you might as well because you're going to lose out on a lot of money and a lot of ability to sign players if you're not in the Champions League next season. Yeah, so I think, funny enough, just as um, Timo and uh, Kai were key to Frank losing his job, I think ultimately Tuchel's success rests in those two players as well. What about um, so I think sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I I would also toss Tristan Pulisic into that mix, considering he managed Tristan yeah. Pulisic. Yeah, I mean, agreed. I think I think yes, and Pulisic also speaks speaks German. Um, so yeah, I'll throw Christian into that mix because I, will he play an integral part in his success? Of course, but Pulisic has also been we've seen good flashes of him already. He just hasn't been able to stay Premier healthy. League. Exactly. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily like turning the key all the way. I think keeping that key, you know, turned is key. But I'm saying the word key, key. a lot. Um, but uh, so, but my opinion. So I, I agree. I think him speaking German, him having managed in Germany, um, uh, knowing Timo, knowing uh, knowing Kai, uh, from being in the country, managing some of the top teams, playing against them. Uh, I think that'll that'll be advantageous for both of those youngsters if they can get better and improve in the Premier League. 
Like, and I think they will under his tutelage because, again, he's known for developing younger players. Um, and like you said, he's been at Mainz. He kind of has a very similar tra- career trajectory as Klopp, to be honest. Um, very. Klopp went to Liverpool. I think he went I'm, to I'm pretty sure Tuchel – didn't Tuchel replace Klopp at Dortmund too? Like they definitely have a very similar career path. I'm pretty sure he replaced at, him immediately. At, at, at Mainz and Dortmund, I believe. Yeah. But that's going to have to get fact-checked. Um, ah, so someone else can my, do that for us. So, like, my opinion is – you know, I think it'll get. There is obviously always a statistical boost that comes with a new manager, and I think that'll happen here. Um, there'll be, a new, you know, the team will obviously pick up. There always is, like in any organization, let alone football management. There's a lift immediately when you bring in a new new supervisor because everyone's all of a sudden on their heels. They're worried about their jobs. Job security is threatened. They all of a sudden improve, um, and so there will be a slight improvement here immediately. Maybe they kind of ride that through the end of the season, and hopefully he kind of gets the best out of that three that we just talked about, Pulisic, Timo, and Kai, and maybe that kind of carries them to the end of the season. Do I think he's in the job by Christmas next season? Uh, no. Yeah, interesting on that point. From what I read, 18-month contract with uh, one-year option after that. So, I mean, they're not really tying him down for very long. Um, no. Which, again, not really surprised with Chelsea. But we'll see what happens. I, I think um, – it's kind of a sad day if you're a Chelsea supporter to, to see Frank go out like that. I also saw that apparently they didn't let him back to, to say goodbye to the players. Um, you know, there's rumors that he was thinking about leaving already. It's It's been a little bit rough. So, you know, I don't really have any sympathy for Chelsea supporters because it's Chelsea. But <laughs> at the same time, it's it wasn't really a pretty pretty way to end things not a great breakup yeah i mean it's your club legend it's weird but i i've got no i i've got excuse my friend i have no fucking sympathy for chelsea supporters you, you've had you know within the last 20 years um a, an owner who is as equally ruthless with his managers has also brought you a new era of a club right chelsea were rubbish before Abramovich brought the club um and brought has brought titles so that ruthlessness has worked at times um, and so, you know, you're, but you're kind of in bed with it. I'll oh, right? just spend, with on, the spend over a hundred million again this summer. See what happens. So, yeah, exactly. Like I got no, I got no sympathy. Life isn't that bad. You get to, you know, you get 90 million pound German wonder kids coming in, you know, multiple of them. And every summer you got Pulisic to root for, like you get a lot of things that you still feel, you know, a lot of things that are exce- be, to be excited about very different at some other teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you want to hit on these transfers quick? Yeah, which you know, thinking of things that are, that get you excited, there there've been a few. This might be you know, the worst kind of, January window of all time. Yeah, as we get towards the end of January, there's been a few like pickups in in discussion of like players going out on loan. It's it's very very interesting given the unsureness over uh, you know the lockdowns, the re lockdown in the UK, uh, when the vaccine's going to roll out. You know, issues with vaccines not rolling out correctly to the right amount of people, it's at the right time frame, et cetera. That's all you know, all very politicized. But um, because of that, the sexy thing that teams are doing is this loan to buy option, where they can loan a player for the rest of the season, basically um, figure out if they want them or not. So the advantage, you know, is it's a very flexible deal for the. Uh, selling club because they don't sell a player at lower market value that they would and if anything they will increase the player's value because after you know know, the vaccine rolls out hopefully they're hoping that the the selling team is hoping that their player value retains um, if not increases based off of the form in the interim um, during the loan spell so a lot of selling clubs are doing that um, and then buying clubs if you're you know it's a seller's market um, where you have a lot of power because you know buyers like 
you can't really go out and, and unless you're really really overpaying um, for the market, and that's on the heels of the the market of the last uh, you know five five years as transfer fees have keep going up, the teams just can't really. Um, you know, can't really afford that anymore. So a few big ones. We have Mateta to Palace. Jean-Philippe um, Mateta coming from yeah. Mainz, funny enough. A team we've mentioned several exactly. times. Exactly. Another Bundesliga player, which gives me anxiety after what we've just been talking about. Um, but he's a, big, he's a big guy, a physical specimen, looks suited to play in the Premier League. He's younger. Um, another option in Crystal Palace attack. Do I think he will be a success? Unfortunately, I will say no, um, because I don't think Crystal Palace's goal tally or goal output actually stems from their forward play at all. I think they actually have a few decent forwards. I think um, you look at you know the front four options that they have with Zaha playing striker. You have Benteke, Ayu, Batshuayi, um, Wilfred Zaha, St. Connor Wickham on loan. Like That's a decent front four what, whoa, to rotate players whoa, through. Whoa, 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 whoa. Connor Wickham. Christian Benteke, Mishi used to play like one time this year. You're saying that's a decent front four. I think so. No, man. I think it's so. not. Mateta's, Mateta's not exactly coming in and improving that front four, right? Like you've got a Mishi's played have, one time this season, I don't I'm think, pretty well, sure. It, so, and Connor Wickham so go, has played twice in like 10 years. I mean, if you're going to throw those names out there, like... Oh. I'm not throwing him. I'm not throwing him out there in, in our front four. He's on loan. But what I'm saying is, is Mateta a step up from from Jordan Ayew? I hope so. Is he? I, like I, I, it's I mean, worth I haven't a try. Seen, you signed Jordan Ayew for two point five million, and he's your number one striker for the last three years. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I just I, think I, I, just I respect think him for Palace doing is, something at least. Let's give it yeah, a go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't not respect the deal, but I think the the issue stems from. The, the you better see Connor Wickham have. play. No, I didn't say that. But what I said is I don't think he's going to tur- I don't think he's going to light the world on fire. I think there's a lot of excited Crystal Palace fans about the signing and, and the loan to buy signing. But I just don't think it's going to give the kind of goal returns. Uh, I don't think really any striker going to Crystal Palace is going to. I'm not going to get ahead of myself either. I, I also don't think it's really going to pan out. But that statement is out of control. That you said the front four, including Jordan Ayew, Christian Benteke, and Connor Wickham, is those are no, good options. No, that's not. It's not what I said. I said the front four of Jordan Ayew, Christian Benteke, Wilfred Zaha, and Mishu Batshuayi. Is I don't think that I don't think the signing of Mateta improves that front four. I don't know. I mean, Benteke has been linked out, which has been kind of weird. I actually think he's been playing a lot better. But regardless, I mean, we'll see what happens with Mateta. I think it's worth a worth a flyer on him. These loan to buy things are pretty nice for the buying club. It's like, hey, if we don't don't really use this guy, whatever, we just won't won't spend the fifteen million to get him permanently. So I think there's a lot of a lot of benefit for Palace there. If he go, comes out and scores 10 goals, then you get him on a great deal. And if not, whatever, you forget about it in six months, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I just think there's bigger issues at play, which is, yeah, I'm probably hinting at some of those deeper issues I have with the, the way that they're lining up and the way that they're playing right now. Fair enough. But, Let's move um, on from that. Uh, Next one, Martin. Alas, we, yeah, Martin Odegaard, what do you think? I mean, it's, a, it's something from them too. I, I, I respect it again. I think that it's... A little bit of a weird one, only because, I mean, this guy, so, like, we don't really talk about this a ton on the uh, the pod, but, you know, I play a lot of football manager, which, if you guys haven't played, you know, it's it's a simulation. It's a video game, basically, that goes crazy in-depth. That's where we find all of our players, whatever. Martin Odegaard is a, a star. He's a wonder kid. He is, like, a, a world-beater. In a lot of these games, even if you play like FIFA or something, he's probably someone that turns into this like global superstar. I mean, he's a big name for young players in the world. 
and he's been at Real Madrid for a while, just keeps getting loaned out, and he seems like someone that's eventually going to have a huge impact on the game. I don't know if he's going to have it at Arsenal or not, but, you know, you just you get rid of Mesut Ozil finally. They definitely need a lot of help when it comes to attacking playmakers, and that's what Odegaard is. He's an attacking midfielder. So it's another one where it's like there's really no risk. Why not do it? Um, and Arsenal clearly need the help. You know, Pepe's been awful. Um, they're, they're starting all these, you know, these academy guys kind of like Chelsea, except Chelsea's a, a better academy. It's, it's a little bit ugly. So I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense if you're Arsenal. Yeah, it's interesting. So Arsenal have kind of switched to this 4-4-1-1 um, with... Smith-Rowe. Uh, he's, he's the Smith-Rowe player. Exactly. But Smith Rowe's um, been playing so he's well. Kind of that, exactly. But you obviously, if you're going to run that kind of system, you need another player who can play there. Yeah. In that sort of kind of floating advanced playmaker creative role that can slide onto the wings, can also play ahead of, uh, you know, behind the striker, but ahead of the midfield. Um, he's obviously going to play further ahead of a Partey, of a um, El Neni, um, of, uh, of a Jaka, Caballos even as well. Um, so it, I, I do think he's I, I do think he fits well in terms of if they're going to stick with that four 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 one one which they've seen success with lately and been playing a lot better since they changed that and brought in some brought in Smith Rowe and, and featured Saka on the left side instead of in that kind of more defensive wing back role and since they've made that those changes they've been a lot better so if they are going to run that through the rest of the season I think Odegaard makes a lot of sense um, I do think um, like you said he's a supremely talented player kind of part of this like Norwegian generation that seems to have some good players. You have Haga, um, you have Erling Holland, you have Odegaard, you have Zander Berga over at uh, yeah. Blades. Um, so there's a couple of good Norwegian players, which is interesting. So I'm interested to see how it pans out. Another good young talent coming to the Premier League. Always love to see it. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, you know what's funny I just thought about? We, did, we didn't talk about this before, but that pod where we were just referencing you know, from a month or so ago, a month and a half maybe, about talking about how Chelsea was in first when we recorded that. I think of that same pod we were talking about Mikel Arteta being sacked, potentially. And they have just completely switched roles since then. Um, but, no, I, I think it's a good move. They, they've been like, look like a, a different team. And, you know, like we're talking about in a window where there's not much happening, bring in a loan signing like this. And he is as high profile as a young loan signing as you get. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to watch. The last one on our list um, is another loan to buy. So we should mention that Odegaard is not a loan to buy. Real Madrid don't want to give him up long term. Um, this one is for Wolves, another team that desperately needs some help with the the future of you know Raul Jimenez being a little uncertain since his injury. We haven't seen him come back. We don't really have a clear time frame of when he comes back or what it's going to be like when he does from that fractured skull. So uh, Wolves go out and get Willian Jose uh, forward from Real Sociedad on loan with um, you know obligation to buy at the end of it too. This one he's 29, um, three goals and three La Liga appearances this season. I think they could use the cover. Um, I don't know if he's going to come up and light light the prem on fire, but Wolves are a team that we haven't really talked about. They've been on a major slide. Um, they've They've been really, really bad since Semeno's injury. Fabio Silva is a young 18-year-old striker with a lot of potential, but hasn't really been able to um, actually get any returns for them. So I think it makes sense. I, I, I don't get really excited about this one, but at the same time, uh, they they needed to do something. They've been in a little bit of a, um, a free fall here over the past month or two. Yeah, it, I agree. I think the this signing, the William Jose signing, kind of reminds me of uh, how Villa signed Ali Samata last year, 
right? It's like a, a player uh, from a decent division uh, who, you know, on a quick signing, hopefully it can have an impact because of injuries and you, you lose kind of like Villa lost Wesley and Wolves have lost Fabio Silva. Um, it's a bit of a reach, a bit of a desperation. They're obviously on the market for a striker trying to get somebody in. They recalled uh, Patrick Cotron, um, or Catrone. I always want to say Catrone. I just say Catrone. It it sounds like a drink, you know. I heard he's on his way out, though. I read today. A liquor. So, uh, you know, clearly clearly they're panicking uh, uh, up front, uh, which is tough because they did just spend so much money on on Fabio Silva. Tough time. They did that with with the intention of, of... kind of blooding him over a few seasons. Right, you got you got him to kind of be mentored by Jimenez, and then also having sold Joto over the summer, who's your other right. best, like, attacking option. It's tough. And, you know, some of these other guys, like Pedro Neto's been really good. Um, Podence has shown some flashes. I don't think he's been quite as good, but they, they definitely have talent. They're not going to get relegated, but it's a major, major step back for them this year. So if he can come in and get them mm-hmm. some points, even if he scores maybe five goals in the second half of the season, that's probably a pretty big boost for them. So I think it's another yeah. one that's pretty low risk, kind of like Mateta. Mateta has a lot more upside um, because he's a lot younger. But I think that it makes sense to try it, and they definitely needed some help. You know, outside of Fabio Silva, I don't know if they had anyone else. And you could bring back Patrick Catrone, but I, like I said, I heard he's on the outs. So I don't know. It's interesting. I'm just excited that there's been a couple of new faces here. and We're used to seeing some bigger moves in January, and there's really nothing this year. So at least we have a couple names right. to look out for. Um, and, you know, we got Thomas Tuchel coming in. So there's going to be some exciting things to look out for for the next few weeks, definitely. 100%. Speaking of exciting, what do you got for trivia for so this week? It's, um, it's going to be one that I'm going to give you – I want you to guess these in order. And it's a, a topic right. that I think we discussed maybe a year ago. Or so I'm pretty sure you gave me a trivia topic that was similar, um, but it really fits the theme today. And so I want you in order. I want you to try to get this without missing any. I think you probably will miss one or two. I'll give you a couple breaks if you need to. But I want you to give me in order the longest serving Premier League managers at their current clubs. Top five. I'm not even going to time you. I'll, I'll give you like a you know. 90 seconds here or something, but who's I want you to go in order longest serving to fifth longest serving Longest serving to fifth longest serving. Okay, so longest serving. I'm gonna start with Sean Deitch. Yes since October 2012 been the manager of Burnley. He's number one um, And then second longest I'm gonna say is Pep Guardiola In the top five not number two bummer. Uh, okay, then uh, how about Chris Wilder? He's <laughs> There's one in between Dice and those guys that you miss. Those are three and four. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, is it Jurgen Klopp? Jurgen Klopp is number two. So Dice one, Klopp two, Wilder three, Pep four, and then the number five. Okay. Number five is the toughest That's interesting. I, I, I always thought Pep came in before I'll give you the, Klopp. But I, I'll, I'll give you the long. dates after. It's close. Uh, and then number five, I'm going to say... Um, it could be um, Hasenhutl. No, I thought you were gonna. Uh, I thought you were gonna Roy, do a different how, incorrect guess. How about uh, Roy Hodgson? So that's what I thought you were gonna do. He's sixth. I'll give you one more shot at this one. Um, maybe. 
damn, I should know this, man. This is the one that I definitely uh, would have gotten wrong. Um, Scott Parker? No, sir. Damn, it's. I mean, it's got to be what Ole? It's not. No. Or Brendan Roger. Brendan Rogers? No. Yeah, you're just now. You're just making yourself look yeah, foolish. Yeah, I'm just. I'll I'm interrupt. Just... It's Nuno. Ah, oh, Nuno, of course. So Nuno, May 2017. Uh, Pep was the following summer. Um, or so, excuse me. So I'll go in the order, the right? So uh, yeah, exactly. Dice was October 2012. 20, uh, 2012. Okay. Next is Jurgen Klopp. October 2015. So Dice has a three-year lead on anybody, which is insane. Wow. Um, and then it's Chris Wilder, May 2016. Pep, July 2016. And then you go Nuno, May 2017. And then after that, you get to Roy, who I thought you were going to guess. Um, mm. And then and then everyone after that is 2018 or later. You got Bielsa, you got Dean Smith, Hasenhutl, Ole, Rogers, Parker, um, they're all 2018 or later. So there's only yeah there are only six managers in the Premier League that have been at their clubs for over three years. Wow. So we talk yeah, about that's turnover. Pretty wild. It, and Dyche has been there nine. It's also interesting that uh, in that though you have Klopp and Pep. Pep, right? So it's it's very top and bottom heavy where you have two teams who are consistently striving for ultimate greatness in Champions League and at the top of the table, you know, Pep and Pep and Klopp and and probably what the reason why they have their job still is because they've they've delivered on that for so many seasons. Right. Um, and then you have kind of the the opposite end where you have the um, you know, the the Wilders, the long staying who have kind of driven their teams up and into the Premier League, the Dyches, et cetera. I mean, you get to Rodgers and Parker, and they haven't even been there for two full years. Yeah, that's wild. It's just wild. The, it yeah. kind of gives you an insight in how crazy the turnover is. Um, but I also I, – I was kind of with you. I don't think I would have guessed Klopp number two. But when I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it makes sense he's been there that long. But it just kind of – it's a testament to Sean Dyche's staying power too. I mean, that's absolutely insane. He is uh, – so I have it sorted – all time longest serving managers and he's one two three four five six he's the ninth longest serving manager for an english club uh, i guess a premier yeah, league club I mean, ever it makes it makes sense now if you think about some of the times when he speaks out against the board and oh he says you know oh we're burnley and we're not getting transfers in we're not getting kind of players in and he kind of has these kind of like off the cuff comments that seem like all right man like you know, that seems kind of detrimental to your board relationship. I mean, the guy's got to have a pretty, you know, fucking ironclad relationship with his board well, with the fans if he's been there for almost a decade. I mean, well, I think they just know they can't do any better than him. They're like, yeah, we're going to put up with Sean saying whatever he does because if we lose him, we're down, like, immediately. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I respect the loyalty from him, but I'd love to see what he could do with a, a different job, too, because that's, like, the most miserable yeah. club in the Prem, probably. Same. I wonder that a lot. Maybe uh, would have been interesting if Chelsea would have picked him up. Like, would he? Have, you know. I don't know if that's the fit, but uh, it would have been interesting. Well, I, I, I do, I do, I do wonder tactically what would happen if a team, you know, if a top six team set up, you know, the way a Burnley does. But I mean, look at Jose players, Mourinho. Right. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Fuck. I guess. He's the. Oh, he's the blue collar um, Mourinho. The blue. Yeah. He's the ginger Mourinho. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> 
So uh, that all rolls into our NBC predictor for here this week. And a little bit of a subplot, guys. Last week, I, uh, I didn't have – Chris and I had this agenda thing, and I didn't have our picks on there. Right, so I and I, I kind of said I was like, oh yeah, like Chris's picks are on here, and I didn't want him to see mine. In truth, I just hadn't made my picks yet, so I kind of made them on the fly. I think everyone knew that this week. Yeah, well, you know, if you <laughs> anyone that knows far, you knew that. Um, so <laughs> right now, this week, um, you're looking at. I'm looking right now at the agenda. I've got all my picks in this time. Chris has abstained from putting his picks into the doc, so I don't know what his picks are. So we're going in blind. So, well, this week. well, I gotta say, for those who have never golfed with me, I'm big on the head games. I play mind games with my opponents. Um, I gotta get in your head. I gotta get into your skin a little bit. Um, and I felt a little bit slighted last week that Jack just didn't prepare well enough for the pod, so I had to go off the f- go on the fly with his picks, but. M- Instead of just saying that, he made it a dig like, oh, I'm not going to show Chiss my picks because I'm, I'm playing head games. When in reality, it was just, oh, I just haven't prepared. So now I'm actually playing head games um, because I'm not going to let that slide. So I already got my picks here. I know you got yours. I see yours. Mine are a little bit different, but if you want to start, go for it. All right. So we got Chelsea Wolves Wednesday at 1. Who you got? <laughs> I'm going nil-nil. No, no. I pick that on the predictor at- very rarely. I don't know. This one just seems like a... Ugh, I don't know. Neither of these teams are playing well. Nil-nil. Right. Love... Yeah. Nice. That's a good tactical analysis there from the head the, game the, ew, um, Yuck. Nil-nil. That's my analysis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to say Chelsea won Wolves. No, I think there's a bit of a spark. Um, they get a goal. Wolves are struggling for goals, um, and so Chelsea won now. Okay, fair enough. Um, I uh, Next one. So these are these are Wednesday games. Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Chelsea Wolves. Wednesday at 2.30 Eastern, Brighton at home to Fulham. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I've got 1-1. I think both these teams um, have a few players who can create a spark going forward, um, especially Fulham. I really like the way Lukman's playing lately as well as Loftus-Cheek. Um, so I, I'm almost on the on the side to, to for them to win, but I also feel like Brighton will spend 70 minutes of this game kind of just passing it around their back five. So 1-1. Yeah, I, I like Fulham too lately. Um, if you haven't watched them play, Zambo and Gisa is another guy to look out for. Um, big midfielder. He's been playing pretty well. I like Fulham 2-1 at the Amex in this one. Uh Two teams that are, I mean, if Fulham can get three points on Brighton, that's a huge boost in their relegation, uh, you know, fight here because they're they're 17th and 18th right now on the table. So Fulham could, could gain three points. I think they're going to. Yeah, I think if they if they do, it really puts some pressure um, on Brighton slipping into that because right now they're kind of the three teams that are cut adrift. You got Brighton at, uh, in 17th on 17 points. And then Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United on 12, 11, and 5 Ful- points, respectively. So. A Fulham win effectively brings Brighton into the relegation race here. Yeah, it does, for sure. Absolutely. All right. So would love to see that. Yeah, would love it. All right, next one. Everton at home uh, to Leicester, Wednesday, 315. I'll let you go again on this one. I, I am anti-Leicester Kool-Aid right now because everybody is just chugging it um, and... But then they keep winning, and they keep looking really good, and just silk, and it's just silk. And James Madison looks really good, and so I, I it pains me to say because I'm waiting for it to drop off because uh, Brendan Rodgers' teams always collapses, um, you know, old old Liverpool teams. But I've got them winning this one two one. Well, if you know anything about me, Jack, and I know you do, I'm the creator of the recipe for Leicester Kool Aid. 
I love Lester. I have for years. I've been drinking that shit since 2017, probably. Uh, and I've got them winning 3-0. And Everton haven't even been playing bad lately, but I am drunk off the Lester Kool-Aid right now. <laughs> Wasted. All right, big on the Foxes. Uh, <laughs> jumping into, we've got Manchester United versus Sheffield United or Manchester versus Sheffield. You don't do that to Ole, do you? Oh, yeah. Um, the Chris, all time Chris Wilder press conference. I don't think we talked about, but we, we no, can move on. Look it up. Time. Look it up if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, so we got Manchester United versus Sheffield United. Who you got? I'm going Manchester United 2-1. Um Blades are bad. I think this is going to be a little bit of a let-off, though, for United. I kind of hope not because I'm captaining Bruno Fernandes in um, my fantasy game against your father. And I just know that he doesn't listen to our podcast, so I have no problem saying that. Um, <laughs> but I'm going 2-1 United uh, because I think they are just obviously way better than, than Blades. And I think United are firmly in the title hunt right now. I don't think they're going to drop points in this game. Yeah, I've got United 3-1. I actually think Bruno will have a good game. He'll slide into some pockets. It's quality that Sheffield United can't cope with, um, and so I've got 3-1. I do expect Blades to kind of start quite sprightly and maybe nick a goal in the goal Drake goal. He's been good lately, so 3-1. All right, and then the last one, the marquee matchup this week, Thursday, 3 p.m., we got Spurs at home against Liverpool. Yeah, this one's tough because... Liverpool have been struggling for goals lately. They've blanked in the league a few games in a row now. Um, and Spurs to Spurs. And so, Marine, you know, uh, the Marino masterclass. Uh, last game that they played, Liverpool, I believe, was 1 1. And then Chelsea, and then, sorry, Liverpool got one late and 1 2 1. And Marino called it. They went for the victory, yada, yada, yada. I think this one is a board draw, 1 1. Um, Actually, no, I, I say a board draw. It'll be a good game, but it will be 1-1. Yeah, this is an exciting one. I am going to lean Spurs here. I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. I think this is um, I think this is Harry Kane kind of exposing the Liverpool center backs that they haven't had all season. They just started Fabinho and Jordan Henderson at center back last week. Who, those are two midfielders. I don't know if you knew that or not. I mean, Fabinho has been playing center back, so yeah, sure, but... They're playing midfielders or youth academy guys at center back, and they have been for a month. Um, and you're going up against Harry Kane, who's having one of the most prolific seasons I can remember in terms of scoring and creating goals. you got Son. Uh, I think Mourinho edges out Klopp in this one, and I think we have an all-time Klopp press conference that you're going to lose your mind at afterwards. Yeah, a good thing we're at the end of the pod because I'm so fucking sick of your... We don't have time for him, unfortunately, today. We don't have time. <laughs> we do not have time today. That'll be on the next pod. Yeah. Um, but that's all we got, guys. I think uh, on Just Goes to Show this week, give us a follow on Twitter at Goes to Show Pod. Like, like we always say, jump in the Predictor League. The code on NBC Predictor app is M-D-E-Q-L-A. That's if you're stateside. And so if you're listening on every week we follow, you won't be able to join that. But you can still you know, get round to Patty Power and get you know get a few pounds on some of uh, some of our predictions. Yeah, speaking of which, sports gambling is legal now in Michigan, and I lost a lot of money on dumb bets in that Villa game on Saturday against Newcastle, even though Villa won. Um, so maybe we'll sprinkle in some betting tips here going forward. Who knows? Maybe I'll do some of that on Twitter. Hey, there you go. He's verbally committed. Um, that's all we got, guys. Just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.